Scott, and you're watching the Cooperative Podcast. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to the Cooperative Podcast. Uh, tonight, we are interviewing Miss Kira Buckland, if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi. We're going to try this again. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties. Yes. Um, and I suppose I'll just go on down the line here. Uh, we have Reapers, if you want to introduce yourself, man. Hey, all. What's up, everybody? Awesome. And we have the host, uh, Renegade Operative. Scott really sucks. And uh, hey, everyone. Hopefully you're having a good night. That it does. Uh, we actually had to try this again. This is the second recording, by the way. It's tech issues. But uh, yes, we also have Devil Hunter James. If you'd like to introduce yourself. How's it going? And yes, Skype is terrible. Yep. Uh, and... Or maybe it's just my internet. <laughs> I don't know. You uh, sound fine now compared yeah, to Yeah, you sound better. Um, so... Who knows? I mean, sometimes it is uh, internet issues, but... Still yeah, a um, mystery. Yeah. Last but not least, we have uh, Kaneki. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, Discord Master Race. Indeed. Mm. All right, so <laughs> I suppose we should get right into it. Um, I have a document here with a lot of different questions, so I guess I'll take the first one. Um, to break the ice, let's start off with your experience with being a voice actor. What personal tips would you suggest to the viewers interested in voiceover work? So I feel like my answer is not very unique because it's what every other voice actor says when you ask them this question. But the reason that they say that is because it is absolutely true and important. A lot of people think that they can do voice acting because they're they've been told they have a good voice or they can sound like a bunch of characters off this show or that game or what have you. But when you think about really memorable voice acting performances, it's not necessarily because the person's voice sounded good or interesting. When we think of good performances, it's because the acting was good. They made the character believable and brought them to life. So that acting is ultimately what's going to drive a performance and determine who's going to get cast because yes your voice has to fit the character but you have to make that character believable and then the other piece of advice that i give is to start online there are so many more resources now than there are you know like 12 years ago when i first started doing it there's all sorts of casting sites online and places you can go to do it as a hobby to kind of understand what it's like and you know because you can't really jump into doing something for a living if you don't really have training or experience so doing it as a hobby and taking some classes will really help you kind of get started yeah that's very true i see a lot of people online doing amateur voice work so that's uh internet is a very good you know resource to use for that um is somebody who wants to read the second question i'll take the second question all right so how long have you been doing voice acting work and could you name off the list of characters you have done? Well, the list is very long, so, so I will just name a few. Um, I have been voice acting total, including my time doing it as a hobby for about 12 years now. And in terms of actually doing it in official projects, I think my first official role was in like 2008. So since then, um, I would say the most, like maybe the roles that I've done that people might be familiar with are I am Trucy Wright in Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice. I'm Hyoko Sayonji in Danganronpa 2, Umi in the English version of Love Live, 
um, Edna and Tales of Zisteria. Yes. Honoka and Dead or Alive last round. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> one of you has a Honoka avatar. That's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, I guess uh, we should move on to question number three. Somebody want to take number I'll three? Take it. All right. Is there a game series that ever you ever wanted to do VO work for but never got the chance? Oh, absolutely. Um, my favorite game franchise is Guilty Gear. And they're not really doing, like, English versions of the new game. And traditionally, they haven't in the past. There was, like, one game that they did, and that was it. But that would be like a character like Dizzy, especially, would be my dream role. I actually dressed up as her and met the creator of the game. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, the stuff that I play. Um, I'm going to do more fighting games. Then something that I really wanted to be in for years and years was, of course... Ace Attorney series, so that was like a dream come true, getting to be in that. And that's awesome. Um, okay, so any takers for question number four? I'll do it. Okay. Is there a role that you felt proud of that it was one of your best roles that many people might not know about? Um, Bloodlad, and I play a character named Hydra Bell, and that to me was one of my best performances, I think, because it just felt really natural and I had so much fun with the character and I really got into it. Like, you know, sometimes I'll be recording for a character and we'll just be doing take after take after take for hours. And, you know, sometimes it can get frustrating because I feel like, why can't I get it just right? But with Belle, it was one of those things where it's like we were doing one or two takes and we had it and... um I don't know. I just felt like that was a really fun role, and I liked what I did for her. But not a lot of people have heard about it. Yeah, it's, I think it's one of those series not a lot of people know about, but uh, I've heard it was a good series. So I, I read some of the manga. It was really good. Yeah. Um. Okay, then. Uh, I guess I'll take number five. Uh, what's your personal favorite video game character in terms of look, voice, and presentation? Um, That I've played or of anything? Uh... Anything, I really. think anything, yeah. Maybe both. Yeah, in general. Both. Okay, so, hmm. Well, I recently played a character in a game called Paladins. I actually didn't even know that it was out because um, I talked about this briefly on Twitter, but it was under a code name when we recorded, and, you know, a lot of times we're just not told when games come out that we're in. So I found it by accident because someone said, hey, is this your voice? And I played a character named Evie in that, and she just looks really, really cool. She has blue hair and, like, a cool outfit, and I had a lot of fun with her lines because she got to be really big and crazy and over the top, and I really like playing those type of characters. Um, like I said, in terms of, you know, design and, and gameplay-wise of, obviously, characters I haven't played, um, Dizzy and Jacko from Guilty Gear are good examples. Um, Athena from King of Fighters, Akiha from Melty Blood. Obviously, I play a lot of like 2D fighting games and stuff. But um, oh, yeah, Jerry I love from Melty Street Blood. Fighter has a really cool design. Uh, yeah. I think my personal favorite uh, character that you played in a video game was uh, Edna from Tales of Hysteria. Oh, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love her voice. Um, 
But anyways, uh, number six. Somebody want to read that off? Yes, I'll do it. All right. uh, what do you think of the latest voice actor strike that's being uh, been going on lately? Oh, well, I've actually been posting a lot about that on Twitter recently, probably too much. But um, so I think the whole thing is it's a very complicated and there's a lot of strong feelings from all different sides. And I actually understand both sides quite well in terms of, for example, the residuals. I agree. I have mixed feelings on that because as a lot of people have put forth, um, these game developers and artists and programmers who are working just nonstop, like I have a friend who works uh, in QA for games and he is just expected to almost constantly work 60 to 80 hour weeks because they have to get these games out schedule and what have you. And so I agree. It's like, well, you know, we get to come in and record for a few hours. But on the other hand, when I hear about people who do, say, background voice work for TV shows or movies, and they get residuals from those, and, you know, just why is one medium getting residuals when others are not? Or, like, people who do commercials voiceover, they get residuals. So I guess that's kind of, like, the two sides to it. And at first, I was actually very against the idea of the residuals because I felt, well... You know, most of the games that I work on at least are kind of low budget. So it's like, how are they going to afford that? But then what the union is proposing is that it only hits at a certain amount. So when a game sells, I forget the exact number, but it's all online. Like, you know, they sell this many million copies or they make this much money or whatever. That's when it starts kicking in. So it actually wouldn't affect the smaller low budget games. Um, but I think... Well, there's a couple other points. One of them being, and a lot of people are misunderstanding this one because I was looking at Will Wheaton's blog post today and reading some of the comments, which is probably a very bad idea because they made me very angry. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, those um, are not good. Yeah. yeah, so one of the things proposed is to limit sessions that are vocally stressful, meaning a lot of screaming, growling, that kind of to two hours and somehow people were getting it in their head that oh voice actors only want to work for two hours a day well I have to work for 10 to 12 hours a day and this and that but I mean the reality is that we do work more hours a day than that if we're lucky enough or you know with our day jobs or what have you but specifically for those sessions that are going to destroy our voice because it, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't sound that bad screaming for two hours. But if you think of it in terms of the other night, for example, I went to a concert and just from trying to like the music was very loud and just from trying to talk over it. And I didn't realize at the time I still have a scratchy voice two days later and I couldn't talk properly to record some, some of my stuff yesterday. So it's like when you're. When you lose your voice, you're basically out of work. So it's not saying that, oh, voice actors don't want to work, um, you know, a reasonable amount of hours. They're saying that if we're going to do something that literally destroys our voice, then we need to be smart 
about it in a way that it's not going to like make us unable to work on anything for the rest of the week. Yeah. Now the um the thing that I kind of disagree with on that is if I'm understanding it correctly, the union is proposing they want payment for a full four hour session. And to me, I don't I don't think that's necessary. I feel like you should get paid for the hours worked. The current at least for most things, the standard is a two hour minimum. So if you, you know, you come in, you record stuff for an hour, they still have to pay you for the two hours anyway, which kind of makes sense because, you know, if say you're driving somewhere that's really far, like I did a couple sessions last week that I had to drive an hour and a half each way to and from. So, you know, that kind of covers, you're not just coming in for 15 minutes sort of thing. But, um, you know, if I'm going in and screaming for two hours and that's the most they can book me for that day, then I'm fine with getting paid two hours. I, I mean, obviously, we, we all want to get paid more. Who doesn't? In the scheme of things, I think that's fair that you get paid for the actual hours worked. And getting double pay for vocally stressful sessions, I mean, well, it sounds good in theory. It's... um you know, for one, how do you classify whether it's vocally stressful or not? Because a lot of them will just argue, okay, well then, so that we can avoid that, we'll just split the screams up into like all the smaller sessions so we don't have to pay extra or, you know, what have you. It's, I don't know. I agree with not making them do a marathon session if it's something that's going to wreck their voice, but I don't think that saying, oh, you have to pay them for four hours is a good idea and it um, makes... and then the oh go ahead oh no i was just quickly going to say it makes sense because every voice actor we talked to previously they hated the screaming session so much they really just despised them because of how much it tears up their vocal cords yeah it can be hard um I mean, obviously not everything we work on is, is screaming or sometimes there's just a few lines that really need to be called out and that's okay. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I work on is JRPGs, so they're not very scream heavy, but, um, you know, I imagine if somebody's working on like a survival horror game or like a military, like first person shooter type of thing, everything's high intensity. So all the lines are going to need to be yelled and especially if you're doing a character with like texture in the voice or um, anything like that, then it's, um, you know, just a lot of extra work. Yeah, I can see that. Um, okay, so uh, number seven, somebody want to read that off? Oh, actually, one more thing, if you don't mind, in um, yeah, sure. that I just wanted to mention in regards to Union Strike, because this is something that I was talking about specifically on Twitter today, and that is the counter proposals, because obviously the union has put forth these agreements saying, well, we want this and this and this, and so some of the game companies and publishers actually responded and saying, okay, here's what we're asking for. And the very first thing was they wanted to be able to find the actor to up to $2,500 for basically anything they can arbitrarily deem as them not being attentive. So that means, you know, again, you have a session that takes an hour and a half to drive to and you leave two and a half hours early just to be safe. And, you know, all the roads are closed or something. You have to be 10 minutes late. You call them well in advance and inform them. Well, they can find you 
$2,500. Um, if you, you know, you That's get crazy. an emergency call, like you have a family member in the hospital and you're like, hey, I just need to leave my phone on just in case because I'm expecting something very urgent, they can fine you $2,500. Um, if they think you're not fully paying attention for whatever reason, they can fine you $2,500. And um, it was, I actually saw several people defending this in the blog comments. And one of them was saying, well, you know, I hired an actor and she just sat on her phone the whole time and was checking texts in between her lines. And I'm like, okay, well, in that case, you be an adult, you be a business person and you say, hey, um, you know, we hired you for this job. I really would appreciate it if you'd give it your full attention right now and to turn your phone off. And if it's a continued problem or they give you attitude about, then you don't work with them again. It's, you know, that's how most people work in, in actual business. And so to want to punish somebody for, you know, a situation that happens that's beyond their control or, you know, I don't know. It just seems absurd. And I think that's, I think they fully know that it's absurd, but they're saying, okay, well, this way the union will back down on their demands. And that's not that's really crazy. what happened. You can be fine just for not paying mm-hmm. attention. Yeah. For, it's, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds very vague, you know, it's like what is, what constitutes yeah, I mean, exactly not paying attention, you know? It's, yeah. It sounds like, yeah, they said, oh, somebody could well. be like, tired it's like i mean okay to give you an idea i've had a session where i sometimes work overnight shifts at my regular job and i came off of a graveyard shifts and then i had a nine hour recording session and i had to have the nine hour recording session because i was going on a trip the next day and that was the only like the only way we could get it done by deadline so it's like i'm sorry if after you know being awake i was awake for almost 48 hours and it's like you know, but that's one of those situations where when you have to make a living, it's unavoidable. And I still gave it as 100% as I could. But when they're proposing these things, like what I tweeted today, I was like, you know, imagine if you went to work at your regular job and your boss was like, oh, hey, you need to be five minutes late because, you know, there was an accident or something and, you know, or you got pulled over or what have you. Well, we're going to fine you $2,500 when you're not even making that much, like, I don't know. Some people were also misinformed. They're like, oh, well, voice actors walk away from a game making like five figures. I'm like, um, maybe if you're like a celebrity that they cast on a name recognition basis, but that is not the norm. And so if this fine were to be enacted, voice actors would literally be paying to work on the game. And who wants to take that risk? Who wants to be like... I'm going to go and wreck my throat screaming and walk away at a loss if they find me for whatever arbitrary reason. The way this sounds, it sounds like it's really meant to be the other way around. Like you are supposed to be compensated for your work instead of just um, going through all these hazards to get there. Yeah. And and like I said, I agree with some of the criticisms as well, because I have people who work on the other side of it and they're like, well, hey, if, you know, the voice actors get paid extra why don't we for all this mandatory overtime and i think they need to be compensated too i think you know from what i understand in that field just like in the voice acting field one of the major issues with negotiating for things is that there are so many younger and less experienced people who will just jump at any chance like there are people 
you could say like um I even see it on Kickstarters. Somebody will do a game or a show on Kickstarter and they'll be like, if you pay $5,000, then you get to have a bit part in our, our thing. And people do it just because they want that opportunity so much. So, you know, when you have so many people lining up for voice acting jobs and game development jobs, it's hard to negotiate for anything better because there's so many people who want to take your job for a tenth of what the standard is. Yeah. So it sounds like a really complicated issue. Um, but yeah, I, I can see why it's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a bad thing. Hopefully it gets resolved. Yeah, yeah. same here. Um, yeah, yeah that's that... the other thing is we can't work on most games until it's resolved. Oh yeah, I yeah, about that. I can see why. What? They had a short list of all the studios that aren't really um, accepting any voice actors because of the union. Wow. I mean, if they want to have no game, you know, that's up to them. <laughs> well, one of the arguments people are putting forth is they can just get anybody to do it. And so I tweeted a video of this game called Chaos Wars where the CEO literally got his wife and kids to do the voices. And it's the oh, most God. horrible, laughable-sounding thing you can ever imagine. It's like, okay, you want to bring in non-professionals to do the voices and say it won't matter? Well, this is get it. Almost as bad as the Titus laugh. No, I yeah, kid. You, you <laughs> bring anybody in to do voice work doesn't mean they're going to be good at it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the other fear is that a lot of games are just going to, or game companies are just going to say, screw this, we're going exclusively non-union. And that is a very real fear for a lot of voice actors because if they're saying, we won't accept any talent who is, even though a lot of actors do both, if being in the union whatsoever disqualifies them from being on this project because that project doesn't want to deal with the strike, and I have seen this happen a couple times, then it's kind of like we're screwed because we can't take those jobs no matter what. Yep. Uh, so that all being said, I think we should probably move on to number seven. Uh, somebody want to read that? I'll take it. All right. if, if you had an opportunity to create your own video game, what would it be like? It would be a 2D kind of air dash style fighter because, you know, that's what I like to play. So, And the characters kind of fight with, like, different elemental powers. Like, so, like, sort of, like, when you think of Pokemon, how they, you know, they use, like, you have one that uses, like, lightning and stuff. But sort of in the vein of Guilty Gear, there's a lot of references to classic rock and stuff like that. So I believe the character who used, like, the... Um, the lightning thunder kind of stuff. He had a super called Thunderstruck, you know, as a reference to ACDC and stuff <laughs> like that. And with the character designs, we had we had them all over the place. Like um, the character that that I was gonna voice in this fictional game was like um, a raver girl on escape or roller skates, and um, there was like a traditional Japanese priestess and there is like um like a street punk guy and like a fire user. There were all sort oh oh and there's like a huge like wrestler character and all sorts of stuff. So I actually had like, you know, plans and super moves. Sounds interesting out. actually. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a variety of characters. Uh, yeah, and if anyone listening is interested in at least checking out because obviously the game is just something that's like created for the story at this point, but the the story is called um, Dragon Star, and we have like a Facebook page with some concept art that my friend did, and he's been working on the animation for it. 
Nice. Yeah, we'll have to, you know, yeah, definitely uh, go check that out. Um, so I think we should probably move on to number eight. Uh, I guess, uh, does anybody want to read that one off? If not, I can read that. Uh, number eight. Do it. Okay. Do you have any? Or I can other... read it in a different voice and pretend to be a different person. <laughs> you can do that. Just kidding. Actually, actually, you could do that. Why not? Be a little fun. I'm gonna put it in the chat, and you could do whatever you want. Actually, let's see. There you go. Was somebody gonna read it, or do you want me to just answer it? Oh, never yeah. mind. All right. Thanks a lot, Reapers. Well. She offered. I was like, okay, we'll do that then. I was joking. I, yeah, yeah, I think Man. we all took you seriously. You, you got the that, slip that, that acting was way too good. It's <laughs> <laughs> legit, that's for sure. All right. Do you have any other voice actors that you appreciate in the industry? Any personal favorites off to, uh, to list off? Um, A lot of my friends, to be honest, because those are the people who really kind of inspire me to do better and improve it what I do if that makes sense I mean there's obviously some really top voice actors that I I've never met that I look up to I mean like for video games who wouldn't want to be able to do the kind of stuff that like Laura Bailey or Ashley Birch or Jennifer Hale does you know but um like some of my friends are going to be characters in Persona I Cool, and I would love to be able to do something like that someday. Oh, like a Persona game? Yeah. Yeah, oh, Persona. Huge fan of the Persona series. We know Persona Rayford. Five, baby. We Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. Um, let's see. All right. Uh, I think next is uh, number nine. Um, I guess I guess I'll read that one. Uh, have you been to any conventions to meet the fans, or do you have any big plans to go to one? I mean, I'd love to do some. I've I've done a couple, but they kind of want people who are, are well-known. So <laughs> I'm not really quite at that point yet where I'm, like, known enough to be requested, unfortunately. But I've also, like, gone to some just for fun. You know, I live in L.A., so I try to go to Anime Expo with my friends every year and things like that. Yeah. Conventions tend to be pretty fun to go to regardless. Um, so, number 10. Who wants to read that one? I can. All right. As a professional voice actor, are you a fan of film, and has it influenced any of your voice acting? Yeah. Um, for some of the games that I worked on, I was actually a really big fan of one of the shows, too, because I worked on the English version of Love Live for the anime. And I'm a huge fan of the mobile game for that. Like, I'm super addicted to it. I'm a ridiculous level, may or may not have spent huh. actual money on it. Um, <laughs> and in terms of being Trucy Wright, I've been a fan of the Phoenix Wright games for literally a decade. I've played and beaten every game in the series. I've made parodies about them. And fun fact, a parody I made in, like, 2009, I actually cast myself as Trucy. So if only I knew, right? Um and Danganronpa was the other one because I had, um, this was before the games had actually come out. So we had to like read and watch the playthroughs, but 
I did that for the first two games, which is what was out at the time. And I was like, man, I really wish I could be in the Dog and Rompa series and this and that. And then they did the second game and I didn't even have to audition for it, which was really cool. That's like the best thing ever when that happens, when they're just like, oh, we want to cast you for this character based on like, you know, other other voice samples you've done or whatever. So that was really cool. Um, the thing that I'm the biggest fan of personally is Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. So if they ever animate part six and make an English version, I am so on that. You have no idea. You thought this was an interview, but it was I, Dio. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I think they're showing the English version on Toonami. What, for Jojo? Yeah. Yeah, it's on Toonami. Uh, I don't got Jolene on there yet. Yeah, it's always Uh, weird when you're like a fan of something and you end up being, you know, part of that project. Oh man, it's um, like the best thing ever. You must be like a kid in yeah. Christmas when that happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we should move on to number eleven. Uh, somebody want to read that one? I can do it. I got again. it. Oh. Once, going to. All right. All right. What are typical mistakes that you can make regarding voice acting? Oh, <laughs> um, well, that's. Pretty broad. So, do you mean in terms of like performance-wise, or like when trying to get into the business, or like what? I guess uh, when you're in the booth, and you know, mistakes tend to happen because you know we're human beings. We're all not perfect. So, uh, whenever like we mess up on our lines, or if um, we have some mistakes that we're not quite like ready for a role yet, um, I think that would be one of the mistakes regarding voice acting. Like maybe some preparation. Uh, not being too ready, stuff like that. Oh, I mean, I made so many mistakes. Like, unfortunately, sometimes it just happens. Like, a lot of things are learning experiences. And especially if you're kind of new, thankfully, a lot of people will be patient with you. Um, I mean, I think sometimes you'll have sessions where maybe the client is really picky or maybe you're just like you're having some technical issues because there's some enunciation issues and so for whatever reason or a combination of them you get asked to retake a line lots of times and it can be very easy to feel like I guess kind of frustrated like well what am I doing wrong why can't I get it right sort of thing so um I mean if you're like messing up on a line but it doesn't always mean you messed up had it before where sometimes I'll deliver a line the way that you know the way that I would think or imagine like whatever my instinct is because that's usually what you want to do for your first read and then the director will say okay try it emphasizing this word so you do that okay try emphasizing this word so you do that and then sometimes maybe they'll go back to an earlier version but they just want to be able to have the option to kind of see so I think and I mean this is something that I still have a, a problem with but I've been told that, you know, the main thing that I hear for why, like, if someone says they don't like working with a certain actor is that they're, like, under so. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, it seems like everything's back to normal. (laughs) Uh, We we had some issues for a minute, but it seems like we can get out again. But, uh, all right. Uh, (laughs) Um... I think we should probably move on to number 12. Uh, does somebody want to read that off? What's the hardest role you've ever played? Can you describe how and why? As long as you guys can hear me, then. Yeah, we can hear you pretty good. Um, Okay. Uh, 
Did um did you get the last question by the way? I'm, I'm not sure if uh, you heard. No, I. Okay. Know. Um, James, you want to reread that? Uh, sure. Give me. One. I think that was uh number. That was number twelve. How are you doing this to me? Uh, try moving water. closer to the mic. By the way, kind of low. You might want to read it because I have some technical issue right now. Okay. Um, I'll read that. What What is the hardest role you've ever played, and can you describe how and why? Um. One of the hardest roles that I ever played, um, and I'm actually not going to mention what the role was because um, because of the reason why it was difficult. I don't want to, you know, make it sound like I'm disparaging anybody or any project or whatever. But I had a role once that was it was just very difficult because it was a new experience for me. I was doing much longer sessions than I was used to. I was working with a a new place. Um, you know, a lot of the people who were forgiving of mistakes or whatnot, you know, when I went to this place, they're kind of like, just expected that you'd be on point. And so, you know, when I messed up, I would feel very self-conscious about it. And like, some of these sessions were just so, like, I felt like I was doing so bad, and I just couldn't get it. You know, we were doing tons of retakes, that sort of thing. So I would just like, go home and cry or my recording because I felt so bad and I didn't get recast like it's you know I ultimately I continued to play the character and this and that but it was just like I mean it was very tough for me but I think it was also a good learning experience because as much as it's not fun to be like I guess kind of like called out on things that you're doing wrong it's helpful that you don't continue to make those mistakes so it's like yes it was like kind of tough love that I ultimately was good but it was hard at the time yeah it's kind of like a learning experience um all right then I, let's see number 13 does anybody want to read that i'll do it because i couldn't do the last one okay uh what's the best and worst thing about voice acting in your experience i think the best thing is when the project comes out and you get to play the game or watch the show or what have you with this character that you voice, that is the most exciting thing for me. I just got my 3DS stolen, unfortunately, but um, I was over halfway through the latest Ace Attorney and so Trucy is case too. So I got to play the case where she shows up and it was just like, it was so cool. I played the cutscene over and over again, like I would save and then reset so I could keep watching it um or like obviously my absolute dream and goal in life was to be a playable character in a fighting game so when Dead or Alive last round came out I just like I kept refreshing the store to see when I could buy it and then just like playing as Honoka non-stop for like the first month um I think the worst thing is disappointment and rejection because sometimes things are just going to happen that make you feel terror. Like there are some projects that I would love to be a part of, but I wasn't in with the right person. Or, you know, maybe I did try to email that company and and just response. And it's not always to do with how good you are. Sometimes it's who you know or who you f- are friends with. And, you know, it's situations like that where you feel like I really want to be in this project or in with this company 
and I'm trying to do everything right, but nothing's working. They're not, you know, sending me auditions or whatever. That can be really frustrating. Or, I mean, I would say that we're all very supportive of each other overall. Like my friends and I are all really happy for each other if one of us gets a role or something. Sometimes even if it's like a role that we were up for as well, we're like, oh, well, cool. My friend booked it and they're probably a better choice anyway sort of thing. But it can be hard if say like, all your friends are in a really cool project and you're like, well, I, I kind of wish I'd got a shot to try out for that or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's also the, the financial parts of it can be good and bad as well, because, you know, when you're doing well, it's like, yay, I get paid to do what I love doing more than anything. But the downside is sometimes there'll be times that go by where you don't book work for a really long time. So, well, it seems like, oh, yeah, that hourly rate you make from something is awesome or this and that. And people don't understand. That was another thing in the union strike. They're like, well, voice actors make such good money on a game, for example. Why were they complaining? And somebody's like, because that may be the only thing they work on all month, you know. So yeah. it's really not. Yeah. Yeah. I know from uh, one of the previous voice actors we interviewed that, you know, it's it voice acting is really not enough to live off of you know you really have to have other jobs and that's just it's, yeah. it's really I hard mean, it financially if you get yeah well depending established on established and you're doing stuff yeah. all the time but it's like you know it's and it's difficult too because a lot of people who just aren't in that field they don't understand what being an independent contractor actually means like you don't get any benefits you don't have any guaranteed employment like yeah you will play your character for you know the continuation of your contract and then hopefully if there's a sequel they'll bring you back or whatever but you're not guaranteed like you don't work for a specific studio or company they just call people in that also means taxes don't get taken out so when it comes time to pay your taxes you will owe literally thousands of dollars because that's not taken out during the year like a normal paycheck would that uh yeah okay so let's see i think we're on number 14 um does somebody want to read off number 14 i'll do it all right i'll take this one and take the other one okay uh all right so is there any future roles you perhaps you can perhaps talk about to get us excited oh i mean i can't really think of most of the stuff that I've been doing recently has, like, not been super exciting. It's kind of just been, like, um, mobile apps from home and, like, corporate narration and, you know, nothing. That's the other thing. It's it's not always exciting or certainly not prestigious work. Sometimes you're just doing whatever. But, um, yeah, I can't really think of, like, any – I think all this stuff that I can talk about has already been released, so – Oh, well, that's fun. Um, okay, so last last question, number 15. I think Kaneki wanted to read that one. Uh, sure, number 15. In closing, is there any more tips you would give for aspiring voice actors? Um, so, the first thing is to learn to act, whether it be through acting classes. Um, there's also some out there now like on YouTube and Google and what have you just for where people will tell you about then I was trying to find a book at the library about how to get into voice acting or what have you 
Um, you can also listen and observe when you're playing a game or watching a show or even if you're listening to a commercial for a major brand, just kind of seeing what kind of talent is currently booking and, and what qualities are kind of getting them hired, if that, that makes sense, because it can give you ideas that, that you can be working on. You know, just kind of starting as a hobby and even if, or if you want to do voice acting, but you think it sounds fun, then starting as a hobby is a great way because obviously wanting to do this for a career requires a lot of financial investment, a lot of time, a lot of sacrifices that you want to be really sure that you're willing to make. Yeah, that's uh, that's good advice. I mean, that's, um, you know, obviously it does help to observe and, you know, take inspiration from that. Um, and, you know, just that, like I said before, there's a lot of different ways to get into voice acting. Now. There's a lot of amateur voice actors out there. Um, so it's, it's more accessible, I think, nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, um, that's actually all the questions. So <laughs> um, now, now is the point in the podcast where we're going to do outros. And outros are basically just, you know, plugging your social media and whatnot. So um, uh, basically like where we can find you on social media, stuff like that. Um, so like shameless plugs. Um, so I guess we'll obviously start off with uh, you, Kira, if you want to just, you know, tell everyone where we can find you on social media. Um, yeah, my Twitter is at Rina Chan, R-I-N-A-C-H-A-N-S at. Okay. Um, so I guess, um, next I will go with, uh, Reapers. Where can we find you, man? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on, on YouTube and Twitch at Reapers240. Okay. Um, Devil Hunter James, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Dev Hunter James and twitch.tv slash the hero jam. Awesome. Uh, Kaneki? You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube on the same name as Google Order. Okay, awesome. Uh, Renegade, if he's still here. <laughs> I don't know if he's alive or not. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at rentoperative underscore. You can find me on YouTube at renegadeoperative. Alright. Um, and last but not least, you can find me on here at the Cooperative Experience. And you can also find me on YouTube at CaptainCast. And you can find me on Twitter by the same name. So, um, yeah, this was a very fun interview, Kira. I, uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad we no made it work despite all the yeah. um, crazy technical issues. Yeah, glad we finally got that to work. Yeah. It wasn't the most perfect in terms of the stuff that was cutting out, but, you know, yeah. I'm going to try the best um, I can We got with most magic. of it, though. I mean... Yeah, I'm going to try the best I can with magic editing, so, um, you know, right. I'm going to make it look good as possible. So, yeah. Renegade the, the Magician. We did it, boys. <laughs> editing Master Race. Yes. Mm. All right, so I think this would be a good point to uh, end it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and uh, we will see you all later. Hey. Bye-bye. Hey. Come on. Bye. Bye. <laughs>